Good morning, good morning, good morning. Good morning, everyone. This is Arthur Burley Martin uh, with Biblical Principles for Inner Healing. I dropped in briefly to say thank you for joining in on my morning podcast. Today, guess what we're going to talk about? We're going to talk about the prodigal lost son. The son who strayed away and left the father's house. But we're going to also talk about the the grace and mercy of our Father. But before we do, guess what? You already know what we're going to do. We're going to take a minute, a second, and a moment to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to intervene to be the teacher of it all. Father, we thank you for being in the midst of us. For you said, whether it's two or three joined together, there you are right there with us in the midst of us, Father God. So we're coming before you hungering and thirsting after righteousness, wanting what you want, Father God. We yield our will to you. We surrender our way to you. We give up what we want for you, Father God. And Father God, we thank you for filling us with the Holy Spirit, Father. You said we, when we hunger and thirst after righteousness, you will fill us, fill us, fill our cup, Lord, to overflowing in the name of Jesus. Um, we pray. Amen. Anoint our lips, Father. Anoint my lips to say what you want me to say, for I'm here. I'm yielded, Father. You say we'll yield our members to that's who we're serving to. So therefore, Father, I come before you today, again, this day, yielding my members to you, yielding my voice, yielding my lips to you, Father. And I say, use me, Father. Holy Spirit, use me however you see fit in the name of of Jesus. And thank you guys once again for dropping in, for dropping in, for dropping in. Again, today we're going to talk about the prodigal son and we're going to come out of Luke, the book of Luke, and we're going to start at verse 11. But I want to just fill us in on a little bit before we get started about the book of Luke, where Jesus, before he started talking about the prodigal son, he was, um, that he was telling the these parables because the tax collectors and and others are uh, uh, notorious sinners. They often came to listen to Jesus teach. And so there Jesus was teaching. And, and this was making the Pharisees and the uh, the religious teachers, uh, they were starting to complain. Those, the religious ones, the ones who knew the word, the ones who, uh, who, uh, who was well-versed, um, they began to complain that he was associating with, with sinful people. <laughs> it says that he was even eating with them. And so they began to get frustrated. And so Jesus is going to start talking about the parable of the lost sheep, about how many of you, if you, if you had a lost sheep that's go astray, that you wouldn't leave the 99 to go after the one. You know, he was saying in the same way. You know, that's what he's doing here. He was talking about these people are the lost sheep. How many of you know that Jesus said, I didn't come for those as well, but I came for those that's lost. And as believers and ambassadors, you know I'm going back to this because this is who we are. This is part of who we are. We are called to be ambassadors of Jesus Christ, ministers or reconciliators. We're called to reconcile people back to the Father. Okay, that doesn't matter. Um, and this is not just being evangelists. We're all called to do the work of an evangelist. When we're on that workplace, we should be lifting up Jesus by letting our light so shine. It might not be when you can't preach or teach a Bible study, but you can live it. Our light is our lifestyle. And so when we let our light so shine, when we allow our lifestyle to shine amongst unbelievers, they will see and know. They'll say stuff like, you're different. <laughs> How many of you had sinners say to you, 
believers too, maybe, that you're different. <laughs> you knew what they were talking about. They saw the God in you. And the reason you was different is because you wasn't doing what they were doing. You wasn't, we're called into the world. We're, we're in the world, but we're not called to be like the world. We're called to be a light, to live an op- opposition, opposite to how they live, right? So they'll say stuff like, um, you're different. It's something different about you, you know, and that's your opportunity. That's an open door to step in and begin to tell them about the goodness of the Lord Jesus Christ, about the goodness of our Abba Father. Okay, so we are all called as ambassadors. Let's 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 get off that title, evangelist. There are some are actually called into the fivefold ministry as an evangelist, but the Word of God tells us that we're to do the work of an evangelist. How many of you have read that? Let me find that verse because sometimes I think we get confused about that and we just think that we're not supposed to witness um, um, to unbelievers. But he tells us to do the work of the evangelist. Um, We're all called to tell people about the goodness of Jesus Christ as ambassadors and ministers or reconciliators. We're called to, to do that. 2 Timothy 4 and 5, he said, Be sober in all things endure hardship, do the work of the, an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. He was stuck, gone and do the work of the evangelist. You can't get tied up in all this other stuff, but we are called to do the work as ambassadors of Christ and ministers or reconciliators. We're all called to do the work of an evangelist. What are we trying to reconcile? We're trying to reconcile people back to the father. Jesus said that when I'm lifted up, he said, I'll draw all men unto myself. And so when we're living, being a light in the midst of a lost, hurting, dying world who Jesus Christ did come for, um, they're going to see, they're going to know it's something different about you. This is something different. About, I don't know what it is, but you don't act the way we act. You don't talk the way we talk. You don't walk the way we walk. You don't live the way we live. It's something different about you. <laughs> it's the God in you that they're seeing. Praise the Lord. Um, but Luke, so Jesus was telling these Pharisees, these, uh, the, 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 the yeah, um, scribes, Pharisees, teachers of the law, the religious people who was getting, who was being offended because Jesus uh, was sitting there with the sinners. <laughs> Those are the ones he came to seek and save. As believers, Jesus said he didn't come for those as well, but he came for those that seek. And our responsibilities as believers is to um, preach the gospel of Jesus Christ so people, so he can be lifted up and people can be drawn to him. To our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, right? We sow the seed. One plant, one water. God calls it to grow. Jesus looked upon the multitude and he had great compassion because he saw them as sheep without a shepherd. And so Jesus said to pray to the Lord of harvest that he would send labors into his harvest. And I don't know about you, but my prayer for today is, Lord, use me for one of your labors. Use me for someone who don't know you. Okay, use me for someone who's lost. Here I am, Lord. You can use me. I'll be the light in the midst of someone's dark, hurting world. How many of you know that? How many of you know? It's okay to take a sinner out to dinner. These are the ones uh, that Jesus Christ came for. He did not come to seek and save those that were well, but he came to seek and save those who were lost. And we're all called to that. That is the heart of God. The heart of God. Like Jesus said, if you have one sheep, that goes astray when you leave the 99 to go after that one that's lost. And that's what we have to be. We have to be willing to 
Think about that person that's lost. Think about that person that's going astray. Think about that person that's backslidden. Those are the ones that Jesus is interested in. He said, I didn't come for those that's sick. They are already good. I came for those that's lost. So we're going to talk about the parable of the sword. My prayer is that the Holy Spirit will ignite your fire and you again will be excited about he that when it sows is wise. Proverbs says that he that when it sows is wise, right? We know that our job is to sow the seed because how can they hear unless someone preach, right? And how can they hear a preacher unless one is sent, right? So we, our job is to sow the seed, to speak the word of God, to preach the kingdom of God. And, and the Holy Spirit, he's the one that do, does the work. He is the one that draws them into the kingdom of God so that they can be saved. He said, whosoever call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Lord, I don't know about you, but Lord, that's what I did one day. I was, I prayed a prayer with uh, Jan on TBN and asked the Lord Jesus Christ to come into my heart, to come into my life. And instantly he did. And that's why I'm, I'm what the world would call different. <laughs> I'm so, that's a compliment. Different compared to who? That's a compliment. We're not supposed to look like the world. We're in it and we're called to love the world and not judge the world, right? Because sinners sin, that's what they do. Um, we're called to go into the dark places, so our prayer is, Holy Spirit, um, lead God and direct me where it is you want me to go. Lead God and direct me as to what you want me to say. Because Proverbs tell us, remember, let me find the scripture. Proverbs tells us to acknowledge God in all our ways and he will direct our path, right? Isn't that what he says? Lean not to your own understanding, but acknowledge God in all your ways and he will direct our path. Acknowledge God in all you do. Let's see this translation here. We're supposed to acknowledge God. Lean not to our own understanding, but in all our ways acknowledge God and he will direct our path. Proverbs 3 and 6 reminds us of this. Proverbs 3 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Quit trying to figure it out on your own, in other words. Um, trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't try to lean to your own understanding. How many of you know God don't want you trying to figure it out? He already has it figured out. He wants us to come to him and he said, if you ask me for wisdom, I'll give it to you and you don't have to be ashamed. I'm not going to rebuke you correctly. I need you to just come and ask me for whatever it is that you know, because I don't know about you, but we serve a God that knows everything about everything and about everybody. So God is all knowing. He's omnipotent. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere at the same time. And he knows everything about everybody. So I don't know about you, but I'm not a know-it-all, but I do know a know-it-all. I am friends with the know-it-all. He is my Abba Father. He is my Daddy God, and He knows everything. So anytime I need to know something, I can. We can go to our Abba Father, and we can just ask Him for whatever it is that we need. We don't have to try to sit around and figure it out. He said, "Trust in the Lord with all your heart." Proverbs three and six, and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him. He said, "In all your ways acknowledge Him. Don't ignore Him." And when we don't acknowledge God in all our ways. We ignore God in all our ways. I don't want to ignore God because I'm fully convinced that my way was the wrong way. I don't want my way anymore. That's why I'm trying to get you to understand that um, I'm convinced that I'm not a know-it-all. Uh, I'm convinced that 
God has the blueprints to my life. Uh, he's my alpha, my omega. He's the beginning and the end. He's the author and the finisher of my our faith. And he knows our entire story. Uh, I heard this song, God is, not fin- God is Not Finished With Your Story. But yes, God really is finished with our story. Our story has already been written. And he's trying to get us to walk it out, to walk in what he has already prepared for us. Because before the foundations of the world, um, God already knew us. And when he created us, he put his good plan and purpose down on the inside of us. And he said, look here, if you will acknowledge me in all your ways, I will direct your path. Because I know in the way which you're to go. I know the way into which I've sent you. I know the path um, that I have created for you. I don't know about you, but we need to know what God knows. He said, before the foundations of the world, I knew you. God, help me to know what you know. There are some things he, he's, he knows some stuff about us that we don't even know about us yet. How many of you know that? Because God is already in our tomorrow He's not confined by time. He's outside of time. Time is for us so we can redeem the time and keep track of the time. (laughs) That's why he's a present help in time of trouble because he's already in the trouble before we get in the trouble. He's already in my tomorrow. So he said, you know what? Um, I just need you to uh, seek first the kingdom of God and and, um, seek first the kingdom of God. And he's going to add unto us all the things that we need. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto us. He said, put me first. Don't let me be an afterthought after you've done all that you know that you can do. Don't make me your plan B. I need to be your plan A. (laughs) Quit trying to figure it out and know that God already has the answers. Go to him and say, Father, you're my father. You, you remember how when we were kids and we would check with our parents before we did stuff? We knew that we couldn't even go outside without asking our parents. We had to ask mom, "Is it? can I go out and play? Why? Because we understood that we was the child and they were the parent. And God said, we must come to him as a child, except that we come to him as a child. We cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Why is this? Because grown people don't see a need for parental guidance. <laughs> And when we think we grown, we think we can live life on our own. But God is saying, hey, I need you to come to me like a child. I need you to see me as your Abba Father. I am your Abba Father. That's why your spirit on the inside, it yearns for me and it cries out, Abba Father. I'm telling you, God is not like man, okay? So he cannot be compared to your natural father. He's better than your natural father. So don't let your relationship with your natural father distort your relationship with your heavenly father. (laughs) See, God is not like man. He's not like man. So don't compare him to your mother. Don't compare him to your father. He is a loving father and he proved it to us over and over again when he died for us when we were yet sinners. I'm trying to I'm trying to get to the story but you know I'm going to be led by the Holy Spirit in that what we prayed. Okay, so let's let's see how loving our father is and how patient and how kind he is. I'm so glad, I don't know about you, but I'm glad that he waited on me because I was 24 when I accepted the Lord Jesus Christ and I could have died any one of those days, any one of those nights. So I've been saved now 31 years, not 30 I got saved at 24, so um, I've been saved 30, hold on, 30-some years, okay, guys? Um, But I'm so glad that he waited on me. I'm so glad he didn't give up on me. 
You know why? Because God, he sees us the way he creates us. God sees you the way he created you. And you're not an afterthought. And he's not making your path while you're every day okay. No, the plan is already settled. Jesus said it's finished. Not just the death and the resurrection, but everything, the path, the plan that God has created us. When he created us, he put all that in us. You see, God did not create us for failure. So you're not a failure. Just because you fail doesn't make you a failure. And you really haven't failed unless you quit. Or maybe that's not what God has called you to do. And that's why it's not working for you. But God does not see you as a failure. This is why it's so important that we have to learn who we are in Christ. You guys pick up my book on Amazon, Understanding Your Identity in Christ. We have to know who we are in Christ so the devil can't tell us anything different. We can't walk in who we are if we don't know who we are. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We need to know who we are in Christ so we can walk as he walked. We have the keys to the kingdom. The devil is defeated. We're not defeated. The devil is defeated. So quit seeing yourself as defeated because you're not. It doesn't matter how you feel, what the word of God says. That's what's true concerning you. What is the counsel of God? What does the word of God say? That's the only thing that matters for me. It doesn't matter what anyone else says. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I have been brainwashed by the word of God. I have put on the mind of Christ. And what you're saying is contrary to what God is saying. Guess what? I'm not listening. It's nothing personal. It's just that I'm fully convinced that Jesus Christ really is the way, the truth, and the life. And that's why I've been talking about him for 30 years. Because this is not a Bible story to me. I'm telling you, I've tasted and I've seen and I've experienced him for myself. I'm going to see if we can get into the prodigal son, but it's whatever the Holy Spirit wants to do because it's not about... It's not about what we want to say. It's about what he wants to say because he knows what his people need. So someone listening to this needs to hear this. Okay, I'm going to start again. The prodigal son, Luke um, Luke 15, we're going to come. We're going to see if I can start. Luke 15, verse 11. Um, what Jesus had told about the parable, parable of the lost uh sheep, the lost coin, and this is a parable of the lost son. He He's telling the, the religious people to sit around him because, see, they're mad at him because he's hanging out with he's hanging out with sinners, those that he came to seek and save, you know, those that are lost. <laughs> he's hanging out with the people that he came for. <laughs> he said, for this purpose was the Son of God manifest to destroy all the works of the devil. So Jesus coming to seek and save those that's lost. Proverbs, uh, Luke uh, 15, 11. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them the story. He said a, a man had two sons. He said the younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now because before you die. I want my stuff before you die. This is what the prodigal son is saying. And so his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. Now, he left his provisions. He left the father's house. How many of us have left the father's house. I've left the father's house a few times along the way in my 30 years, but I didn't stay too long because it's a miserable feeling. But he left the father's house. He left everything that was good. He left. I like to tell people that the 
the provisions of God are in the will of God. This is why Jesus is saying, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things will be added unto us. How many of you know that the provisions of God is in the will of God? So when we get in the will of God, everything that we need to do, what he's asked us to do, it's going to be there for us. I know that some of them say, well, I know that scripture. I'm not talking about knowing that scripture. I'm talking about living the scripture. Are you seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, his way of doing things, or is God an afterthought to you? Do you lean to your own understanding first and then come to him when when, when things aren't working out? What God sees and he knows there's no condemnation. I'm just here to reiterate, to remind you. Um, I'm just trying to reconcile you back to the Father as a minister of reconciliators. As, as an ambassador of Christ, I'm just here to remind you, exhort you, and encourage you and help bring back to your remembrance what Jesus said in Mark Matthew 6:33. NLT, he says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything that you need. Let me read another translation. Uh, Matthew 6, 33 says, For the Gentiles strive after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will um, worry about itself. Today has enough trouble of its own. Let me go deeper into this so we can get a greater understanding. Again, Matthew 6, 30, let's see. Matthew 6, let's start at verse, let's see, Matthew 6, um, 24. It says, no one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Okay. In other words, let's not chase after the possessions. Let's chase after the source. Let's quit chasing after the the resources, the sources, and then start chasing after the source. Jesus Christ is the source. God is the Father. The provisions of God are in the will of God. I want you to remember that. I want you to hold on to that. This is why we're talking about seeking first the kingdom of God. But the prodigal son, he he went, he left home, he left left his provisions. He took them with him. but um, he left the place in, 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 uh, where he was receiving the resources. It's like, you unplug, I unplugged this laptop and it's going to run a while. But eventually the battery is going to begin to die out. It's going to start losing its power. It's going to start losing its resources because it has to stay connected to the wall unit in order to get the supply it needs to run. So the battery don't run out. So he took what he had and and he just went out and he squandered it. He left the father's house. He left the place of provision. And when we backslide and we begin to um, love the world and the things of the world, which is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, the Bible tells us that uh, love not the world nor the things of the world. For when we love the world, we love... um, it causes us not to have the Father, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. These are the three things that drew the prodigal son and away from the Father's house and into the world. And it's likewise with us. When we begin to backslide or leave the presence of God or start to lose interest in the things of God, it's because of our attention. The enemy has stolen, the devil has stolen our attention, and now we're focusing on 
the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. It's drawing us away from God. It says, um, 25, that is why I tell you not to worry about every uh, about everyday life. Whether you will have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns. For Your Heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to them than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field, how they grow. They don't work or make they don't don't they don't want work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that they are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So when we begin to doubt God, it kills our faith. Remember, confidence in God's love for us is what causes us to have faith in what he say. Confidence in God's love for us keeps fear away from us. It keeps worry away from us. It keeps doubt and fear away from us. Because perfect love, the Bible says, perfect love casts out fear. Remember, Timothy, first, God has not given us a spirit of fear. Fear is a spirit. And perfect love, having confidence in God's love for us, cause fear to have no place in us. Perfect love casts out fear. Okay, so um, they begin to doubt him. And when we begin to worry about what we're going to eat, what we're going to wear, how the bill's going to get paid, whatever the worry, the care, the concern, oh Lord, my child is going astray, whatever the worry, the care, the fear is, God is saying the reason you're worrying about it is because you're not trusting me, because you're doubting me. There's no condemnation, but I'm just trying to help you to pinpoint some some devices of the devil so you can catch him early on. That when fear comes, no, um, just speak to it and remind it that God loves me because perfect love casts out fear. Fear has to do with punishment. The Fear has a spirit because fear is a spirit. God has not given us a spirit of fear, Timothy tells us, right? But power, love, and a sound mind. So fear is a spirit. It's a demonic spirit. It's an evil spirit. And it comes, causes torment. The Bible says that fear causes torment. It has to do with punishment. The torment is the punishment. The punishment is trying to make us believe that something bad is going to happen to us. That's the punishment. If you don't do this, then this is going to happen. If you don't do that, they're going to cut your lights off. They're going to do this. You're going to do that. That's the fear. That The fear of thinking that something always bad is going to happen. We got to quit with these Word, because you know our words have power, life and death is in the power of the tongue. The Proverbs tells us, right? So we have to watch our words. If there was no luck, if there wasn't no bad luck, there wouldn't be no luck. We're cursing ourselves with our words. Okay, God is good. And if you don't know nothing else, my prayer is that you will come off this podcast sticking, remembering that God is good. Our Father is good, and every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father. And the plans that God has for your life are good, not evil, to bless you, prosper you, and bring you great success. God did not create us to fail. We are fully equipped. We have the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost inside of us as born-again believers. God has not given us a spirit of fear. When fear comes, tell it. My God loves me. And he will provide for me because he told me not to seek first. He told me to seek first the kingdom of God. 
And he was going to add all these things to me. He know I need food, clothing, raiment. He said, he told me, he said, so don't even worry about tomorrow. He said, so don't worry about these things. Don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, where you're going to live. Don't worry about those things. Matthew 6, 31. He said, so don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. In other words, this is how the world is thinking. This is how people who don't know God, these are the things that they're walking around being worried about. Oh, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are we going to wear? How are we going to get our bills paid? What about this? What You know, the world is full of worries. And that's why we as believers are called to go and reconcile them back to the Father and say, hey, fear not. God is here. Jesus died for your sins. God loves you. Fear not. Be not afraid. He wants you to come back to the Father's house. So Jesus is telling us in Matthew 6, 34, he says, so don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. But God is telling you, look, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. This is how the world, they're going to, they worry about these things. These are the thoughts that dominate them. The cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches. Their mind is not on Christ. I don't know about you, but before I accepted Jesus Christ, my mind was not on Christ. I was concerned about what I was going to worry, what I was going to eat. You know, I was concerned. You know, it's the survival mode, the survival mentality, because life outside of Jesus Christ is a very hard life. You know, the Bible said that, Excuse me. The word of God tells us, it teaches us that the, it's the way of the transgressor that's hard. It's not the way of the believer that's hard. I said believer. I didn't say the person is saved. I said believer because believers believe. And the only way we can rest in God and have the peace of God is to believe the word of God. You can know, we can know a bunch of scriptures, but if we don't believe what it says, we're going to be believers, Christians, but we're going to be worried just like the world. But the Lord is saying, seek first the kingdom of God. Fear not, for I am with you. Fear not. Have confidence in my love for you. God is not a dad beat dad. He's not going to abandon you. He's not going to neglect you. He's not going to forsake you. He said, I did not, I won't leave you comfortless. I won't leave you as an orphan, one translation says, but I will give you a comforter. So when that spirit comes on you to make you feel like you're alone, when that spirit comes on you to make you feel like you're by yourself, you can speak to that spirit and say, no, Jesus said that he would not leave me comfortless, that he would not leave me alone. And it doesn't matter how alone I feel. I walk by faith and not my feelings. And the word of God says to me, I'm going to tell you what Jesus said. He promised to never leave me nor forsake me. He would not leave me comfortless and he would not leave me as an orphan. So it doesn't matter how I feel. I'm telling you when that spirit comes on me, when that spirit of grief, sorrow, you can be in a room filled with a lot of people and still feel like you by yourself. That's a spirit. That spirit wants to come on you to make you feel like you by yourself. But that spirit is a lying spirit because Jesus Christ has already said he won't leave us comfortless. So I'm telling you, when I start to feel alone or I start to uh, feel uh, grieved about my mother's death, the first thing I call I do, because I remember 
what the promise of God said. He said that God is a present help in my time of trouble and that he would not leave me comfortless. That's what Jesus said. That's his promise to us. And so when I begin to feel comfortless and I begin to feel afraid or whatever, I'll I'll tell him, no, my father loves me and God is for me. So you have to go because you're trespassing. You don't live here and you don't belong here. But when, when fear, when grief come upon me and, and I start feeling I want to mourn and, and I start feeling like I'm alone, the first thing I do is I cry out to the Lord and I said, Lord, you said you would not leave me comfortless. Holy Spirit, comfort me. The Word of God is the power of God. The Word of God is our weapon of warfare. And the way we use the weapon is when the when when thing when uh, when the devil comes with something that's contrary to what God is saying, we have to say what God is saying. That's how we use the weapon. We use the weapon by speaking the word, believing the word, and acting on the word, and living the word. How many of you know that believers not only believe, but believers act on what they believe. That's the only way we're going to bear fruit in our lives is to act on the word of God. And the more we do, the more God will add unto you. Despise not the days of small beginnings. Because everything started out small, right? That little, that little, that apple tree started with a little tiny seed. Now look at it. Okay, so, okay, so the prodigal son, he, he took what he had and uh, we was on 15, we read all the way down to 14 where his money ran out and, and a great famine um, swept over the land and he began to starve. Verse 15, Luke 15, 15, right? The prodigal son. Okay, verse 15 says, he, persu- he persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him into the field to feed the pigs. So now he has to go and get a job because he done spent all his inheritance. Right. And this because really because he left the father's house. And this is what look at the life. His life is hard now. It wasn't hard before. But uh, the way of the transgressor is hard when we live our life. There's no condemnation because real, today is another day and we get to do what God say. OK, so we're just going to we're, we're, we're getting ready to jump another level in our faith. God wants us to grow from faith to faith and glory to glory. And every time we learn something new, we get to do something different. Right. So the Lord, uh, he knows that we need the truth in order to be free from a lie. And that's all this is. We're just um, uh, revealing and exposing the devil's lies so that we can be um, free. So 16 says, the young man became so hungry that even the pots he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. Wow, he was so hungry that even the pig food looked good to him, you guys. But he left his provisions. He left the father's house. Let me say this. We might not have all we want, but we got all we need. We have food. We have life. Breath. And God is the one that gives us the power to get the wealth. So don't chase after the money. Chase after the God who gives you the power to get the wealth. We're we're in pursuit of the wrong thing. 
this is why Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God in Matthew 6, 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things that you need, it's going to be added unto you. But a lot of times we're chasing after the things and, and we're, we got God on the shelf somewhere saying, okay, you just sit right here. I got this. We're leaning to our own understanding. We're not acknowledging God in any of our ways. We're just trying to figure it all out. And it's just a mess and it's so hard. It's hard because we're trying to live life without the the uh, the strength of God, the anointing of God. You know, when Samson didn't do what God told him to do, he lost the anointing on his life. He he lost his strength. When she cut his hair, she lost he lost his strength. He was still living, but he wasn't anointed because he lost his strength. But when he repented, then the grace of God, the anointing of God, it came back on his life and he was able to carry out the assignment of God. But life is hard without Jesus, living life without Jesus Christ. The way of the transgressor is hard, the sinner person. When we as believers, we as believers shouldn't be going around talking about life being hard. If light, when Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light, the only thing that's suffering is our flesh. The spirit is fine. When our flesh don't get what it want, in other words, our want, don't let your want override God's will. When our flesh can't have what it want, it suffers. Jesus learned obedience by the things he suffered. And when we, uh, every time we say no to what our flesh want, to say yes to what God want, it causes our flesh to suffer. And we too is learning obedience by the things we allow our flesh to suffer. No, you cannot have that chocolate cake. It's not good for you. No, you're going to pray. No, you're going to turn the TV off and you're going to study the word today. You know, isn't that what we try to do to our children? We try to train our children up in the way they should go. We try to teach them right from wrong, good from evil, right? So in the process, it's causing their flesh to suffer because they're not able to do some of the things they want to do. And that's what it is. Every time Jesus said no to what his flesh want, it causes his flesh to suffer. He learned obedience through the things he suffered. When he was in the garden of Gethsemane, he asked the father, he said, can this cut, let this cup pass of suffering pass from me. But nevertheless, not your will, but let your will be done. His flesh didn't want to do it. Y'all. He was a flesh man. He came in the form of a human being. But he said no to what his flesh wanted, and he said yes to what his father wanted. And every time we say yes to what our father wants, we say no to what we want. And that causes our flesh to suffer. Like, everything that's good for us, the flesh don't like it. Because it's opposite, it's evil. There's no good thing, the apostle Paul says, there's no good thing that dwelleth in my flesh. So Galatians 5, 19, 20, 21, it talks about the works of the flesh. The works of the flesh is contrary to who God is. So if we walk in the spirit, if we live according and in line with the word of God, we won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Because to walk in the spirit, we have to live opposite to what our flesh wants. Okay, um, um, let me, I'm trying to finish up here. Okay, so um, the parable of the sword, Luke 15 and 16. So it says the young son began, became so hungry that even the pig's food, it looked good to him. <laughs> but no one gave him anything. There he is, a kid. He's a king's kid. He's a, he's a 
person of royalty, of high esteem. I mean, it's, God is his father. This is the illustration of this story, how he left everything that was good, everything that was good for him. And when you try to run from God, you're running from good. <laughs> and, like, and it's going to be a mess. Look at Jonah's life. Jonah tried to run from the presence of God. How can you run from God when he's everywhere? Trying to run from God is like trying to run from the sky. Everywhere you go, the sky is there. <laughs> God is everywhere. He's omnipotent. That means he's everywhere. Well, he's omnipresent. That means he's everywhere. He's omnipotent. That means he's all-knowing. How can you run from the presence of the Lord? But Jonah, he was in rebellion. And he was bent on doing what he wanted to do. And that's what rebellion is. When we know what to do and we refuse to do it, that's not ignorance. That's rebellion. Okay, so his life was a mess. And then his life, when he, it affected everybody that was around him. Sometimes your life is being affected by the people that you are allowing in your life. That's why it's not good to be unequally yoked together with an unbeliever. I'm talking about in relationship, marriage. Some of your businesses, um, you may be in wrong relationships as far as business partners. And that's not saying you can't come into partnership with someone who's not saved. Um, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Some of your friendships, uh, some of your relationships, you know, don't be unequally. Because his life, his lifestyle was affecting the people that was in the boat. Before he got on that boat, everything was calm and cool. He got on the boat, the wind started beating against that boat like it was gonna break it in half. They knew something was wrong because it wasn't like that before Jonah got on. Beware of the Jonas that the devil tries to send into your life. But thank God, because at the end, we know that Jonah did repent. He did surrender. It took him three days in the belly of a whale. Sometimes we have to go to the belly of the well when we don't want to surrender. I, like I tell my husband, I said, jail is the belly of the well. You know, it was a place of confinement. It was a place of darkness. It was a place where he couldn't do what he wanted to do. He could, it, 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 restri- it was a place of bondage because he could not go free and he couldn't be free. He couldn't leave that belly of that well until God allowed the, the well to spit him out. And some of us are in the belly of the well. We're in that wet, dark place. We can't see. We have no sense of guidance. And it's all because we just won't surrender. But it took him three days inside of a belly of a well, but it took me 24 years, right, to surrender and say, God, I give up. But when we um, when we surrender to the Lord, we say, Lord, I give up. I quit. Here I am, God. What is it you want me to do? Where is it you want me to go? What is? I'm telling you, that's the best life ever. When we surrender our life to Christ, that's when we can rest in God. Because as long as we're fighting against God, we cannot rest in God. So yes, the way of the transgressor is hard. But we as believers, that should not be our confession of faith. The only thing that's suffering is the flesh. I remember the Lord told me that when they said, the only thing that's suffering, suffering is your flesh. The spirit is fine. I mean, the Bible tells us, he said, the flesh, it's the flesh that's weak, but the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So here we go, Luke 15, 17. It says, when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, thank you, Jesus. He came, I'm so glad I came to my senses. I don't know about you. I'm glad I woke up and realized I needed Jesus Christ. 
at home, he said, when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. Father God, Holy Spirit, help us to come to the end of ourselves. Some of you need to come to the end of yourself. There's areas in our lives that we all need to surrender and say, Lord, here I give up. I can't do this. People can't change other people. I need you to help me with my dieting. I need you to help me with my finances. I need to help you to help me be able just to be a better person, to be the person you want me to be, to be the light in the midst of my family's darkness, to, you know, know how to talk right, walk right, act right. Here I am, Lord, because you know what? We're the main subject of our own life story. It's not about us changing people around us because, see, if other people change and you change and can make you better, then that makes them your God. No, us allowing Christ to change us is what's going to make things in our life better. He wants to use us as the light in the midst of someone's darkness. He wants our lifestyle to so shine and so others will see our good works so that our Father, not us, but that our Father in heaven will be glorified. So that's why when you do a good deed, make sure that they know that you're doing it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ so you don't get the glory because people don't know. So you have to, we have to direct them to Jesus. It was, it's because of God that I'm here. I, I met this person once and, and they were saying, I'm a thank you thing. I said, well, the Lord wants you to know that he loves you. And that's why he sent us here because he heard you when you was crying out to him. That's why we're here because God loves you. And we love you because God love you. Because we got to tell the truth. I don't know about you, but I wasn't acting like this before I accepted Jesus Christ. It's because of the Lord Jesus Christ that I talk the way I talk, that I live the way I live, and that I act the way I act. To God be the glory, the honor, and all the praise. Okay, so here he is. He's, he came to the end of himself. And my prayer is that some of us will come to the end of ourselves by the end of this podcast that we were realizing that we were surrendering, give up and say, Lord, I had it good when I was with God. But you're telling me, I'm telling you that life is good with God. It's, it's not perfect because you have a, we have, all have a flesh. But I'm telling you, he can give us peace that passes all understanding. Even when everything around us is in a mess, we can still have rest in the Lord Jesus Christ. Here I am all. Uh, Luke 16, Luke 15, and 18. After he had came to himself in 17, he's saying in 18, I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both both heaven and you. He was talking about repentance. And I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. Look at that. A lot of times when people backslide or we come to the Lord, we just think we got to start at the bottom of the totem pole. But that's not so. That was a he still was a son, even though he he had backslidden, but he said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna repent. That's what he did. How many of us need to repent? Just say, Lord, we're sorry. We're sorry for running away from you. We we're sorry for leaving you. You know, when I left the father's house and I backslid, I had to repent. I said, Father, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I grieved you, that I left you. And I went back to the father's house. 
And guess what? He was right there. Just like this story Jesus is telling, this parable, he was right there with his arms open waiting to receive me. So verse 20 says, so he returned home to his father and while he was still a long way off. Hmm. His father saw him coming, Lord Jesus. I'm so glad he saw me coming. I'm so glad, I don't know about you, but I'm so glad he waited on me. Jesus said, Father, I know those that are mine and the evil one won't be able to pluck them out of my hand. And I don't know about you, but I always felt his hand on my head. I felt the conviction. I felt his presence. Even when I was trying to run from his presence, I was aware of him, even though I didn't know him. Okay, so he says, I'm t- So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Hmm. Verse 22 says, but his father, was who, who, who is Jesus, the God? Because Jesus is telling the stories. But he said, this is how he, his father is, right? This is how our heavenly father God is. And this is how he sees us. And it says, but his father said to the servant, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. He was restoring him. How many of you know that God is a God of restoration But the father just waited on him because he knew he's all knowing. He knew he would return. He knew he was coming back. But his father said to the servant, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Give a ring for his fingers and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with the feast for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. How was he dead? He was dead spiritually. that's what happens to us when we backslide or we, when we don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. It causes us to be dead spiritually. It causes us to be blind where we can't see. It causes us to be deaf where we can't hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. The Bible tells us, it says that the God of this world has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. Who don't believe what? Who don't believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Because even demons believe and they tremble. But do we believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? So he said, for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He has lo- he was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. Lord Jesus. Jesus, you know, he was telling the story about the lost sheep. And now, um, you know, when he returns back, that one, even though they had 99, one had went astray. And how when he brought them back, they all rejoiced. And they were so excited. Because that lost sheep had come back home. Because the 99 was fine, right? Those kids of yours that's doing good, that's not the one that you that concerns you. It's the one that don't know Christ that concerns you. It's the one that's going astray that concerns you, right? The, the, four, the four back at home is not the, not the concern. It's that one. It, it's not that you don't love them, but they already, they already got a relationship with Christ, right? Well, this is what our Heavenly Father... He said, in the same way a father has compassion on his son, God said that that's how he has compassion on his people because he he remembers that we are just human beings created from the dust. I want you to know that God loves you. And if you have left the father's house, it's time to come back home. Or if you have not accepted Jesus Christ, it's time to, it's time to accept him. And don't harden your heart. 
today. If you hear the sound of my voice, harden not your heart. Because today is the day. If the blessed is you that can hear, blessed is you that can see, Jesus says. Because if you can hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying, because no man can come unto the Father except he draws them. I know that we're thinking that we can get, accept Jesus Christ when we want to, but that's not true because the Bible tells us, he said, no man can come unto the Father except he draws him. And if you feel the Holy Spirit tugging on your heart, that's him drawing you, drawing you back to the Father. So he says here, he says, your brother, meanwhile, the older son, now they're celebrating him in Luke 15, 24. It says, for the son of mine was dead and he is now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. God wants to, he is celebrating you. It's a celebration. He that went and souls is wise. It's a celebration. Because at the end of the day, the only thing that's going to matter is souls being saved. Because I tell people all the time, while we chasing after these materialistic things, because we don't realize that the provisions are in the will of God. But while we're wasting our time and our life, just work home, work home, not witnessing to anyone, not praying with anyone. Just that's a that's a dead, boring life. That's not what he said. Whoever should lose his lose his life for my hold on to his life for will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake shall find it. What are you saying? How do we lose our life? When we give up our way for God's way, that's how we lose our life. When we sacrifice giving uh, what our flesh want, we say, no, I'm not going to do what my flesh want. I'm going to go pray today. I'm going to pray for this person. I'm going to do this. This is losing our life for Christ's sake. When we surrender our way for God's way, when we surrender our will for God's will, that's losing our life for Christ's sake. If we lose our life for Christ, he said, that's when you're going to find it. So I found my life. I once was dead, but now I'm alive because I understand that the only thing that's important in life is doing what the Father wants. And as while I'm on this journey with Jesus, the provisions are being provided for me. He's given me provisions for the journey. And I'm telling you that Matthew's is true. That when we seek first the kingdom of God, I'm telling you what I know. I'm telling you what I'm experiencing even now. That God will add all these things unto you. But when we're trying to hold on to our life and we're leaning to our own understanding and we're not acknowledging God in all our ways and we're trying to figure it out, that is hard. That's the way of the transgressor. But your father is saying you don't have to try to figure out stuff anymore. And if you have left the father's house and you know you've lost the desires for the things of God, you used to read, you used to pray, and you're still going to the building and you're still going through the motions. And Jesus said, you're worshiping me with your lips, but your heart is so far from me. You're going through the motion, but you're not interested in the mission. You're so distracted and busy with the work, but you don't have time for the worship. There's no condemnation. But as a minister, a reconciliator, as an ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ, it's our duty, our call, and our responsibility to reconcile people back to the heart of God, back to the Father. So what did the Father do for this son not just was, you know, when we accept Jesus Christ for the first time, God celebrates us because he leaves the 99 to come after the one. Because the 99 is already well, they don't need a physician. 
Jesus came to seek and save those that were lost and as disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. That too is our mission, whether we're called into the marketplace, into the ministry, wherever, whatever. If you are a believer, if you accepted Jesus Christ, he's called us to be disciples. He told him, he said, go and make disciples, not church cores, but disciples. The purpose of the building and the fivefold ministry is to prepare and equip people for the work of the ministry, the work of the ministry. We should all be serving the community in some kind of way. What is your service to your community? And when I say that, what is your service to the world? There's no condemnation. But I'm telling you, as a believer, we're called to the world because we are already saved. Jesus said, I didn't come for those as well, but I came for those as sick. Your neighbor is not just your next door neighbor, but your neighbor is the cashier at the grocery store when you're standing in line. Your neighbor is the woman that's standing in back of you, standing in front of you. Your neighbor are those people that are in your sphere of influence. The people that God allows to come in contact with you, that's your labor. And so what we need to start saying is, Lord, why am I here? What is this something you want me to say? Or do they just need to see and know that I'm different? Do I just need to let my light shine? Or do you need me to say something? Sometimes they'll have you just to be quiet, but they'll know you're different when you don't join in with their gossip. They'll know you're different when you don't start bad talking your president or you start saying we need to pray for our leaders. They'll know that you're different. Okay, so uh, I'm almost out of time. Luke 15, 31, his father said to him, the prodigal son came back home and uh, the older son, let me see, um, 28, the older brother was angry and wouldn't wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, all these years I've, I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you t- told me to do. And all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours come back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fatted calf. What a religious spirit. That's the heart of a religious self-righteous spirit. His father said to him, I'm on 15, Luke 15, 31. His father said to him, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me and everything I have is already yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. Lord Jesus, give us your heart. Give us your heart, Father. Give us a heart for the people so we can love people the way you love them, so we can see people the way you see them. I'm going to end it here. Father, we just thank you for your hunger and your desire for the things of God. And Father, we come before you today and we surrender. We say, we sorry, Father. We sorry. We sorry for grieving you, Holy Spirit. But today, Father, we come before you and we surrender our way for your way, our will for your will. Father, we say we don't even want what we want. We want what you want. Because you said when we lose our life, that's when we find it. But when we try to hold on to things, we try to hold on to our life, doing things our way. That's when we lose it. So we surrender, Lord God. We surrender. We give up. Yes, I'm ending it here.